Shalom and welcome to TanakhStudy.com. This is Gad Dishi from Alon Shvut. Today we'll be studying Parashat Vayishlach, Perek Lamed Hei, Psukim Aleph to Tetvav, Yaakov's return to Bethel. The breakdown of Psukim is as follows. Psuk Aleph is the divine command from Hashem to Yaakov. Psukim Bet through Dalit is the preparation for their travels to Bethel. Psukim Hei through Zayin is Yaakov's return to Bethel. Pasuk Chet, Dvorah, the nurse of Rivka, dies. Psukim Tet to Yud Gimel, God appears to Yaakov. And Psukim Yud Dalet Tetvav is Yaakov's reaction to the revelation. In Fishbane's Jacob cycle, this parak will deal with struggles at childbirth and bracha, which corresponds to Rivka's struggles with childbirth in Perak Kafhei and issues of Bechorah, with the words Bracha and Bechorah both sounding alike and with the social norm of bracha stemming from having a bechorah. In this particular instance, I would tweak the model just a bit and contend that in both this chapter and chapter chafhei, we deal with issues of bechorah without needing to link bechorah necessarily with bracha, and I'll elucidate this point as we proceed through the text. Pasuk Aleph. Vayomer Elohim el Yaakov, kum ale bet el veshev sham. And Hashem said to Yaakov, Rise, go up to Bethel and dwell there, and make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from Esav, your brother. This is Yaakov's third revelation, as the Abarbanel points out, make there a Mizbeach, Mizbeach, meaning you made one before Yaakov in Shechem, that was the wrong place, you need to return to Bethel. The Pasuk mentions when you fled from your brother Esav, this was the place of your refuge, Yaakov. At this point in the narrative, the parallel might be that as you need to now run away from the surrounding nations, travel once more towards Bethel, and God will be with you. This divine guidance and communication was surely assuring for Yaakov, who was concerned about the reaction of the surrounding nations. Pasuk Bet. Vayomir Yaakov el beto ve'el kol asher imo. And Yaakov said to his household and to all who are with him, Put away the alien gods that are in your midst and cleanse yourselves and change your garments. Yaakov comes up with these preparations on his own and seems to be full of renewed energy because God spoke to him. His request for the removal of foreign gods could be a reference to all the looted goods from Shechem and from the people they captured. However, he also mentions it to his household, which may imply his own nuclear family as well. We have similar reading in an alternate girsa of the Ibn Ezra here, which we can find in the Barilan Keter edition. There it says, Thus contending that there was some influence from Padanaram on the family. The purification, vihitaharu, uh, perhaps is a reaction to the contact with the dead of Shechem, or a general purification as preparation for revelation at Bethel. If we contrast these preparations with the preparations later of Am Yisrael at Har Sinai, there the whole nation is preparing for a Bethel experience, and that entailed abstention from sexual relations and, it says there, vikidashtam hayom umahar vikibesu simlotam, implying washing themselves, as Ibn Ezra explains Vikidashtam there, and their clothing being cleaned, washed. Here too, the Ibn Ezra explains Vihitaharu to mean washing themselves, and we also have a switching of clothes. So we have again similarities in preparation for a divine revelation. Pasuk Gimel. 
ונקומה ונעלה בית אל, ואעשה שם מזבח לאל העונה אותי ביום סרתי, והיא עמדי בדרך אשר הלכתי. And let us rise and go up to Bethel, and I shall make an altar there to the God who answered me on the day of my distress and was with me on the way that I went. Nakuma bin Aleh, let's go. Time to make Aliyah. Again, we hear the energy. Technically, the language of arising, Nakuma, is either figurative or spiritual, as Bethel is in a southerly direction from Shechem. We get a strong correlation here with Yaakov's first encounter with Bethel when he had the dream of the ladder. He's fulfilling his promise. If we look at the Psukim, here it says, Vahi imadi, which corresponds with Imihiye Elokim imadi, which was back there by the ladder. We have here Baderech Asher Halachti, which corresponds back to Baderech Hazeh Asher Anochi Holech, back at the ladder. And in this vein, the mention of Vahalifu Simlotechem shows the fulfillment of Natanli Lechem Lechol Ubeged Lilvosh. Later, we will also see a repeating of Birkat Zera Va'aret from Hashem, just as we had there in the episode of the ladder. Yaakov refers to God as the one who was with him in his time of sorrow and on the road but omits describing God as God was described in the Revelation. There, God was the God who appeared to him when running from Esav, his brother. The Abarbanel points out that Yaakov didn't quote the, the Revelation word for word because this would not sound so good to the family. That he ran away from Esav? Hey, Dad, why did you have to run away from Esav? Um, uh, uh, clearly not a discussion he wants to have. Uh, we might wonder if Yaakov queries, why is God talking to me now? Where was God at the conjugal switch? Or where was God when Dinah got raped? But Yaakov says, Even if at any particular juncture God did not intervene, Yaakov acknowledges that God has been all along directing his path. And it will become ever more poignant as the narrative continues and throughout the Yosef saga where the derech, becomes a place of death and danger for Rachel and his favorite sons. And despite this seeming abandonment by God, the text is informing the reader not to despair. And vayhi imadi baderech Hashem halachti, that God is still with him and us on life's derech. Powerful lesson. Pasuk Dalet. Vayitenu el Yaakov et kol elohe hanechar asher beyadam, veet hanezamim asher beoznehem, vayitmon otam Yaakov tachat ha'elah, and they gave Yaakov all the alien gods that were in their hands and the rings that were in their ears, and Yaakov buried them under the terebinth that is by Shechem. The text makes no mention of this, but ostensibly this included the handing over of the Trafim of Lavan by Rachel. At that moment, Yaakov discovers the truth about the stolen Trafim and realizes that his self-righteousness with Lavan was based on a lie. He must question his own integrity and wonder which of Lavan's other accusations rang true. Additionally, Yaakov must feel further estranged from his true love, his wife, Rachel, who couldn't confide in him and withheld this secret from him until now. His estrangement must be tinged with feelings of belittlement and anger. How could she do this to him? Did she not believe in the God of his fathers? By stealing the Trafim, she placed him at risk of losing everything and everyone, including herself, to Lavan. Not to mention placing him at risk of extreme embarrassment had her plan failed. Didn't she value their relationship? Didn't she care about him? The cold distancing that took place following Yaakov's marriage to Bilhah grows chillingly colder. Fifteen verses later, perhaps as a fulfillment of Yaakov's curse when arguing with Lavan, Rachel will tragically die during childbirth. Looking back, Yaakov's curse was worded to take effect only upon the culprit being found with the Trafim. With whom the Trafim are found shall not live. And until now, Rachel had not been discovered, hence the delay in meeting out her punishment being textually grounded. And they journeyed onward, 
and the terror of God was upon the towns around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Yaakov. The fear of God can literally imply God's intervention on their behalf, as the Abarbanel explains, and this would imply that Yaakov was correct in his philosophy that the reprisal at Shechem resulted in their being labeled as a threat that needed to be eliminated. Hence, the surrounding nations were going to destroy them were it not for the fear of God intervening. This is in light of or despite God's position on the morality of the massacre. Or... As the Malbim notes, it could be understood in the exact opposite manner, that the reprisal and show of strength struck the fear of God into the heart of the surrounding nations, and they did not, therefore, chase them. Both Leon Cass and Robert Alter also note the way this double-edged sword cuts both ways. Significantly, the text records that the nations did not chase Bene Yaakov, Yaakov himself being excluded, and this is also the same description we had for the brothers during the dealings with Shechem, Bene Yaakov, they soon will shift from being described as the sons of to being described as the brothers, this time not as Dinah's brothers, but rather as Yosef's. Sukim Vav and Zayin. Vayavo Yaakov luza asher be'eretz kena'an hi bet'el, hu v'chol ha'am asher imo. Vayiven sham mizbeach, vayikra l'makom el bet'el, ki sham niglu elav ha'elohim, bevorcho mepene achif. And Yaakov came to lose in the land of Kena'an, that is, bet'el, he and all the people who were with him. And he built there an altar, and he called the place El Betel, for there God was revealed to him when he fled from his brother. The name Luz seems to have stuck, even though Yaakov earlier changed the name to Betel, and that's why the Pasuk says Yaakov comes to Luz, and it's probably because no one but Yaakov knew of the name change to Betel yet. So, who knows, maybe even when Yaakov was whittling away at his Luz branch, Makal Levne Lach Veluz Ve'armon, by Lavan, he would remember his experience in Luz and want to return there. Regardless, this return is a very powerful experience. To return to where it all started, his first revelation, the latter, he arrives with everyone with him. He does not go back alone to relive his past. He includes everyone to exhibit the fulfillment of Ufaratsta, of expanding beyond that stick figure he was when he left, and literally to allow for the fulfillment of Ha'aretz Asherata Shochev Aleha Lecha Etenena Ulzarecha, God's promise by the latter. Yaakov builds the Mizbeach, but in contrast to the naming of his Mizbeach in Shechem, where he called out to God as his Lord, El Elohei Yisrael, and thus fulfilled Vehaya Hashem Li Lelokim. Here he now called the place as El Betel, El the God of Betel, as a fulfillment of Vehaeben Hazot Asher Samti Matzeba Ye Bet Elohim. It must be a very emotional moment for Yaakov, one that recalls his parents' home and his parents, and the text now records that Rivka's nurse Devorah passed away. Pasuk Het, Vatamot Devorah Meneket Rivka, Vatikaver Mitachat de Betel Tahat Ha'alon. And Devorah, Rebecca's nurse, died, and she was buried below Bethel under the oak, and its name was called Alon Bachut, weeping. We possibly heard of Devorah, the Meneket, long ago, when Rivka was being sent with Abraham's servant from Padanaram. There the Pasuk says, et Rivka ve'et It's not for sure the same person, as we shall see. But what is she doing here? The Ramban explains at length how Chazal see this as a clue for Rivka dying, that at Rivka's funeral, no one would have been there, as Yitzchak was blind and confined to his tent, and Esav hated her. Ve'esav soneota ve'lo yavoshama. He wouldn't even come to the funeral. Very harsh. And Yaakov was away. So the Torah did not want to record that the Hittites buried Rivka. So this pasuk about Meneket Rivka is a hint to the readers that Rivka passed away. 
Leon Cass posits that the death of the nurse represents the burial of any influence of Padanaram, just as the burial of the idol is represented. But that doesn't seem so clear, as Yaakov is still married to four Padanaram women and has all of his flocks from there. Robert Alter suggests that it is another etiological place name, like Betel, so the text has this here in an associative manner. Svi Gramit suggests that it represents the end of Yaakov's childhood and ostensibly reads the Pasuk as some Refashim, who see the nurse being the nurse who nursed Yaakov and Esav for Rivka, and not the woman who nursed Rivka herself. Meneket Rivka being that she worked for Rivka as a nurse. Rashi and Rav Yosef Bechoshor posit that Rivka sent Devorah the Meneket, the nurse, to tell Yaakov to come home. Other Mefrashim like the Ramban take issue with this, as Rivka would not have sent such an elderly woman to go get Yaakov. We can also add that the reconciliation with Esav has already occurred long ago, and if that was the key point for calling Yaakov back home, it should have occurred much earlier. I think a conglomerate of these positions might be helpful, that this person, Devoram and Eket Rivka, represents the nursing and influence of Rivka in Yaakov's life, and that now that he has completed the mission of his sojourn to Haran and his return to Bet-El, coming full circle, building the Mizbeach, Rivka's last wishes are now fulfilled. I don't think Devorah traveled with them, as when they left, the text records who Yaakov took with him, and she's not mentioned. I think that she may have died at some other time and was buried there, and after Yaakov finished building the Mizbeach, he saw her burial site, and then he realized that they, Rivka and Devorah, must have been there while he was away, and that perhaps he missed their visit because he tarried elsewhere before returning home. Pasuk Tet Elohim el Yaakov od and God appeared to Yaakov again when he came from Padanaram and he blessed him. The Pasuk says God appeared to Yaakov again, Od. Rashi and Rav Yosef Bechoshor explained this as God appeared to Yaakov again in the same place of Betel, the first time being the dream of the latter. Rashbam opines that Yaakov had moved on to a different place and left Betel and named this new second place Betel as well because he had a nevoah there. So Yaakov was starting some nevoah franchise. I would argue that this revelation was still while he was in the same Betel and God appeared to him again, meaning a size from when he appeared to him in Shechem, as recorded in the first pasuk of the Perak. And these were the two times God appeared to him on his way from Padan Aram, Bevo'omi Padan Aram, as the Pasuk sets out here. And God blessed him. What is the bracha? Pasuk Yud. Bayom Elo Elohim, Shemcha Yaakov. Lo yikare Shemcha od Yaakov, ki im Yisrael yihyeshemecha. Vayikra et Shemo Yisrael. And God said to him, Your name, Yaakov, no longer shall your name be Yaakov, but Yisrael shall be your name. And he called his name, Yisrael. This time Hashem renames Yaakov, not a mysterious figure, but he leaves out the earlier reasonings for the name. This time it's not about struggle or being straight. There's no reason that's given. But perhaps, as Leon Cass points out, the word Yisrael means God will rule. That is, he, or us Jews, will make El a sar, a ruler. Yisrael. Thus, the very name embodies the reason and mission of the name change. Pasuk Yud Aleph. Vayom Elo Elohim, Ani El Shaddai, Pere Urve, Go Yukhal Goyim Yemimeka, Umlachim Mehalatsecha Yetzeu, Veta Aret Ashena Tati El Abraham Litzhak, Lecha Etenena, Uzaracha Aharecha Eten Eta Aret. And God said to him, I am El Shaddai, be fruitful and multiply. A nation, an assembly of nations shall stem from you, and a king shall come forth from your loins. And the land that I gave to Abraham and to Yitzchak, to you I will give it, and to your seed after you I will give the land. Again we have the Berkat Zera Ba'aretz, now using the El Shaddai formulation, which is originally what Yaakov got from his father before leaving to Haran, 
Now God is giving it to him directly. Pasuk Yud Gimel. Vayaal me'alav Elohim b'makom asher diberito. And God ascended from him in the place where he had spoken to him. As Deborah Geller pointed out, the phrase v'hine Hashem nitzav alav back in the vision of the ladder could have meant either that God rested on the ladder or upon Yaakov. However, based on our verse here, the meaning of the phrase Hashem Nitzav Al seems to mean had a prophecy, gave a prophecy. So returning to the earlier passage by the latter, if we look at those there, He saw the ladder, the angels going up and down. He saw it in a dream, but it was not yet understood to be prophetic yet. Then, then God uh, literally stands upon him, meaning appeared prophetically to him. Based on all of our parallels to that episode, the usage here, clearly refers to God ascending from Yaakov and not from the place. So I would argue that so too, our previous reference of means from upon Yaakov. Here God appeared to Yaakov, and when the prophecy ends, God stops being Nitzav Alav, and instead ascends from him, Vaya'al me'alav, meaning the prophecy ended. One can feel as if God had always been there with Yaakov throughout all these years, and only now that Yaakov has returned full circle does God now reascend to the heavens. Pasuk Yud Dalet. Vayatsev Yaakov matseva b'makom asher diber ito matsevet aven. Vayasech aleha nesech v'yisok aleha shamen. And Yaakov set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken to him, a pillar of stone, and he offered libation on it and poured oil on it. Again, we have Yaakov erecting a matseva to denote where God, God appeared to him. And this seems to be a new matseva, although some have suggested it may be the actual same rock that he had from over 20 years earlier anointed. This time we get not only oil, but also a nesech, meaning a libation of wine, which seems to be coupled better with the mizbeach. But here is an improvement in his economic situation. Pasuk tedvav. Vayikra Yaakov et Shem Hamakom, Asher Diber Ito Elohim Bet El. And Yaakov called the name of the place where God had spoken to him with him Bet El. Again, Yaakov is calling it Bet El. It seems redundant. He just named it Bet El. Uh, he had named it Bet El at the time of the latter, and just a few pesukim ago he called the place El Bet El. But this visit represents not only bringing him full circle to fulfill his vow, but it's also a new beginning. Yaakov is going to be able to start over or anew, and this calling out of Bet El is not a repetition of what he did earlier. That calling out ended his previous journey. Now he is beginning a new journey, empowered with a new vision, not of the latter, but of being Yisrael. In these psukim, we get the use of the word makom three times. Vayal me'alav Elohim b'makom asher diberito. Vayatsev Yaakov matseva b'makom asher diberito. Vayikra Yaakov et shem ha'makom asher diberito. Rashi says he doesn't know what it teaches us that these phrases are repeated. However, I think it's clear by now. Just as Debregela pointed out that by the dream of the latter, the word makom served as a, as a theme word, a late word. So too now, as Yaakov begins his new life journey, he is empowered with the use of the word Makom, which Chazal teaches us just happens to also be one of the names for Hashem. In tomorrow's shiur, we will ambitiously cover Rachel's death and the effect on Yaakov and his family, Reuven's act, and the final todot, which will bring the parasha to a close.